Welcome to The Good Complex. My name is Jeff Jones. I get the privilege of uh, helping host these incredible conversations where sometimes we spotlight tremendous good that's being done in our world. Other times we just have very thoughtful conversations with uh, with people from diverse perspectives, some of which we agree with, some of which may challenge us, that that together just help us think in a better way and, and kind of push the ball forward in, in culture. And today we're continuing this series we've been in on lessons from the pandemic, just looking back as a culture with this incredibly disruptive moment that in some ways has shown us what is actually underneath, what like our values and what's important, the good, bad, and ugly of what's been going on in our culture for a while. And I, and I think a lot of ways also, as we've seen, it's accelerated some of those trends. So in uh, one of those important ones, we've looked at all, we've talked with all kinds of people, but one of, the important, one of those important ones is mental health and what that's revealed about mental health in our culture and what we can do about it. Such an important conversation. And Greg and Hillary, you guys had the privilege of sitting down mm -hmm. with a mental health professional who is someone I respect tremendously. He's been incredibly helpful for me and for so many other people. So talk a little bit about Lee and your conversation. Oh yeah, Lee Tran is a licensed professional counselor. He's also the founder of uh, Lifeology, and which is just a really uh, well-respected mental health um, practice. And it was a fascinating conversation because I think that you and I would agree that even before the pandemic, there was there were rumblings on a lot of people talking about mental health issues. You mm -hmm. know, you know, pre twenty nineteen or twenty nineteen yeah. and, and before. But then when the pandemic hit. Um, it got it got pretty bad, and we share some some statistics during this conversation that this is something that a lot of folks are talking about, and it's um, and for good reason because I think if we were to kind of do some diagnostics on all you know like cultural and institutions and individuals and all this kind of stuff diagnostics on our mental health, I think we would say yeah I'm not sure we're doing that good, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. I talked with a, an employee this week, and he said you know I was going back through all of my posts on social media during the pandemic, and he said. Some of them were really dark. And he yeah. said, no wonder people were messaging me like, hey, are you doing okay? And he said, it's amazing how much better I feel now that mm -hmm. we're kind of on the other side of things. But we talked to Lee about some of those things, like keeping an eye on our friends and our family and just kind of making yeah. space to, to hear how they're doing. And um, sometimes that's the best thing we can do to help is just to, to listen and be there. But he brings up some great advice on things we can recognize in our friends and ourselves yeah. and ways that we can kind of take care of our mental health because it's something that just like, you know, exercising and being healthy, right. it's important to do the same thing for our mental health. So, yeah. And I think, you know, we can look back over the last two years and with a lot of dismay at the anger and a lot of the vitriol, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I know just in my experience, I know in your experience as well as a pastor, as, as we delve a little bit in counseling, you know, as, as we talk with folks that hurting people hurt people, Yeah, you know, and I don't know that we were at our best. Mm -hmm. you know, over these last mm -hmm. couple of years. And we were probably going through a lot more strain, mental health, like we were struggling more than we could even diagnose in ourselves. Yeah. And it was showing up in a lot of really unhealthy ways. So yeah, I had to remind myself of that a lot when I was interacting with people who were grumpy because mm -hmm. I lead an organization and everybody's got opinions about, you know, mm -hmm. everything. And normally that's okay. That's no problem. But with all the extra people not being their best, I just had to remember okay, for a, some period of time, I'm dealing with people who are kind of the worst of themselves right now. Mm -hmm. And my job is to love them anyway and love them at their worst. And I hope one day I can love them at their best. But right now, this right. is where they're at. And 
and I'm just going to meet them where they're at. So I think there was a whole lot of that in culture. We're still trying to get back to some, mm-hmm. some better, some better place. And I know in the beginning of the conversation, you, you guys asked them, where, where are we mm-hmm. as a culture? And I think that's a great question to ask ourselves from time to time individually, just as where, where am I? Not just geographically, but where am I in my soul and mm-hmm. my psyche and my mindset and my emotional and mental health just to, um, because uh, it's just, it's easy not to know and to be unaware mm-hmm. and as yeah. opposed to being intentional about it. Well, right. he does a really great job of walking us through things that we can recognize in ourselves, like you're talking about in ways that we can love other people, even when they aren't at their best. So um, I think everybody's going to really take away a lot from this episode. So let's check it out. There seems to be a lot, a, a lot of talk about mental health right now. Um, and there was even during the pandemic and now after the pandemic. And I would just love to love to get your perspective of kind of how are we doing right now? Like yeah. the state of mental health in our culture and in, in our country. Yeah, that's a great question. I thought about this a lot too, um, as we've kind of r- rode the wave of the pandemic in our, and just in my own personal practice, but as you know, we have a group of therapists, how they've experienced it as well. Um, and I guess if the question is, uh, how has uh, the pandemic affected mental health and what have we observed and what have we learned, what have we seen? I would I would stop and just say that there were some things that were going on before, for sure. Um, I, I think that before pandemic, we were beginning to see, uh, particularly among the, the youth, a lot of the younger uh, people that we see, families, that there's more disconnection, um, more more difficulty around uh, thoughts of self-harm and suicide, uh, bullying, uh, disconnection, I think is the common theme that people were having a harder time connecting. And that's such a major part of mental health um, in terms of the way we we maintain healthy uh, rhythms and healthy relationships in life. And so there's a lot of disconnection with social media, uh, political issues, just things that are going on in the world. So that was there before, okay? Add on there, the pandemic, and just like throw kerosene all over that, right? And that's kind of probably the best way I would describe it is that there, there were pre-existing issues for sure, but it made it a lot more difficult because you know as as it is with everyone can probably experience themselves, pandemic really exacerbated a lot of the isolation and disconnection that we had felt. Um, and so definitely, I would I would probably parse it out that way if that makes any sense. Yeah, that's an interesting because we've even in this series, we've kind of used the illustration of so, sometimes you go through something that causes a lot of change, but then other times, like we, we've used the illustration, like when the water level goes down in a river or when, you know, Lake Mead goes down and they're seeing like cars and bodies mm-hmm. and, you know, or whatever, like, you know, that, that was, that was there all along, but sometimes, um, events just sort of lower the water level to reveal something within us. And so if I'm hearing you right, if the, the pandemic was was maybe more about lowering the water level and revealing some things that were already going on in our in our lives um, than than causing a lot of stuff. Am I hearing you right? Correct. Yeah, I've actually used that um, that the, a similar analogy, maybe not the same one, but a similar one in that um, a lot of times people I, I use the, the 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 imagery of a of a car that has a certain amount of towing capacity and and uh, horsepower, if you will, and that. For a lot of us, we we have a certain kind of uh, amount of tolerance and energy that we can put forth to kind of just maintain. And I'll like, you know, life happens and things will, will put stress on that. Um, but to your point, 
adding something like pandemic or for, for people on a more personal level, like a job loss or a major shift um, in, in relationships or family, major events will happen throughout life, pandemic included, that will reveal that we don't have as much capacity as we, um, as we need to be able to, to weather and withstand the additional load. And so, yeah, to your point, Greg, there's a lot of um, times where, where I think whether it's pandemic or, or a loss of a loved one, whatever it may be, that would, would kind of reveal that there's just a lot of stuff that we were dealing with before that has now come to the surface. So that, I, I, I would put it that way as well. Yeah. Well, so one thing that I was reading is they announced recently that our government is expanding 24-hour mental health care in, in more cities and states across the nation. So they know that there's been a big issue because of the mm -hmm. pandemic. They're trying to address it. But how would you sort of assess the response that you've seen since the pandemic? How, like what we're currently facing, how are we doing there? So it's interesting. I, I observe the news, obviously, it affects my, my line of work a lot in terms of the, the, the way the public is responding, the way the government's responding. Um, there is there's definitely a movement in terms of awareness of the need. And actually, if I if I could put it this way, this may help to give some structure to the the, the observations that I'm making. In the mental health world, world, I feel like there are three major hurdles that we have to overcome. Um, first is going to be awareness. Second is accessibility, and then third is acceptance. Okay, so um, awareness. What I mean by that is that we we just have to, as a community, as a culture, society be more aware that our mental health is an is a need just like physical health like uh, you know dental health even like just it's a normal part of health and I, I just don't think that that's as commonly accepted in our in our culture but it's becoming more so so I do feel like our response as a, as a community even at a, at a more of a government level has done a lot to make strides in that area to to normalize it and to say hey this is something that's important right um the other parts in regards to accessibility that it has more to do with is it just like plain affordable it's just hard to to make it affordable for a lot of people um and then even beyond that there's a stigma still with it too that that if i if i get counseling or therapy does that mean that i'm somehow broken or 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 somehow damaged in some way and so those are the the major hurdles that we have to overcome but i i do feel like we're making good progress but uh, i feel like always we, we we need to be doing more faster yeah well, one thing that you mentioned there was normalizing it and kind of making it a regular thing. So we were talking before the show, and I was just wondering, from your professional opinion, do you think people, if they're able and they, they can't afford it or they have the opportunity, should we kind of be getting these regular mental health checkups the way we do with a, a doctor or a dentist for other aspects of our health? Maybe not even when something major is going on, but just to kind of be in check with what what tools we might need for when we do go through mm -hmm. something really heavy later on. Absolutely. Uh, like, I, you know, I, I do oftentimes think about it from a, a medical model that if we could, if we could meet people sooner, I, I say that so many times when I see clients in my office, I'm like, if I could just have had this conversation maybe a year ago, um, this would be a lot easier. Um, and the work or the damage, whatever you want to call it, would be so much more limited. Um, and so it, it in, my, in my mind, preventative work is always better than, than prescriptive and, and post work. And so, yeah, that goes into awareness. If we were just simply more aware and there's more acceptance of the, of the work and that there's more check-ins and, 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 you know, checkups, if you will, that that would, 
that would dramatically change the the level of of overall mental health in our in our community. Mm. You know, you were talking about in those three things of of, of awareness and accessibility and, and stuff like that. I was just reading. This was in a, a Kaiser Family Foundation study, at least in the people that they surveyed. It was nine out of 10 Americans um, said that we're in a mental health crisis right now, which is kind of crazy. I don't know how we get 90% of Americans to agree on anything, right. you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. but they, evidently we agree on that, you know, that we're not doing okay. Um, They're probably thinking 90% ninety percent of people need help. They're thinking other people need help. Yeah, right. that's right. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. But then there was also... This was interesting. 47% of the adults under 30 said there was a time in this past year when they thought they might need mental health services or medication, but they did not get them. So for one reason or another, they didn't, they didn't reach out. Maybe they couldn't afford it or whatever. So, um, and 50% of Americans have dealt with mental health issues within their own family. So it's a, it's a pretty big, you know, and th- a lot, to your point, a lot of those things were probably there before, but they're, mm-hmm. they're, we're talking about it more now. And so, and so that's a great thing. I would love to, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Like, obviously, with those kind of numbers, um, there's not enough professional counselors out there, you know, mm-hmm. for, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and maybe a lot of the things that we deal with, maybe it doesn't, and, and I, I don't want to misspeak. You can correct me if I'm wrong or whatever. But it I seems know like, I know where you're going. And yeah, I, and maybe I, and it I'm doesn't sort of warrant to like seeing a professional count, you know, that kind of stuff. But sort of like, like not everyone's a cardiologist, but a lot of people know CPR. You know, like that kind sure. of thing. So with, so when we are talking with a neighbor or with a coworker or, or something like that, and we get this feeling of like, I'm not sure you're doing okay, and you know, but I I feel completely overwhelmed. Like there's I don't know what to. I, mm-hmm. Is it okay for me to ask? You're like. What does is, what is CPR look like with, with the people in our lives, if there's mental health issues, if they're really struggling? Should we even be delving into that? Do we just need to refer? Like, what, what, do, you, what do you recommend? And there's a lot of questions in that, but I'd love for you to just talk about that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I feel like as it relates to the accessibility issue, you just pointed out perfectly that, A, we, we don't have enough therapists, B, not everyone can afford therapy. And so we've got to think creatively about how do we address mental health issues? Um, and and I'll, I'll even give this um, perspective as well. I Like in speaking in terms of mental health um, and mental illness, I'll just say this is not like a, you know, you know, a definitive terminology in, in the industry, but I'll say mental illness be on one spectrum, mental health, maybe mental, mentally unhealthy on another end of the spectrum. And so that kind of gives a little bit more gradient in that not necessarily everything requires a professional counselor, that we are dealing with some levels of mental unhealth, right? And that's something that could definitely be remedied uh, beyond or even before you would need a, a professional counselor. And so uh, let's start with that and say that there, there, there's a good chunk of work that could be done in that realm. Let's talk about what that would look like. You, you kind of brought up a point, Greg. Uh, what would that look like if we were uh, untrained professionals, but we could do some level of that work for our loved ones and for people in our community? Um, uh, I, as you mentioned before, we, we, we've served on uh, church before, and I thought a lot about how do, we, how do I train people that aren't licensed professionals to do some of the work, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say this, and I, and I believe that even this, if you're going to use a word CPR, that this, this type of technique would not just be a helpful solution to address some of the mental unhealthiness that's out there, but also address 
um, within the, the the one giving the CPR, if you will, some some mental unhealthiness because it requires you if you're going to do the technique to have some level of mental health to do it. Okay, so I think this is in my mind if I could give one prescriptive technique, if you will, is simply just to know how to hold space, how to hold space for other people. What I mean by that is offering the gift of connection and empathy for when others are going through duress. I think a, a hard thing for people to pull off is to know how do I hear the pain and the suffering, the distress of others um, without feeling the need to try to solve or fix or to go through this discomfort of sitting with someone in pain without having a clean solution. The, 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 the work that oftentimes that therapist does that I really believe anyone really could do is just to learn the art of sitting with someone and to listen and to offer um, a, a compassionate listening ear. So that sounds, let's just say that right now, simple in, in theory, but I would venture to say very difficult to do if you're in if you're sitting across from someone who's going through a divorce, someone that's going through loss, someone that's going through job loss, right? That that there are things that people go through on a day to day basis that if we just learn how to hold space well would have a dramatic impact in terms of how we maintain healthy um, mental uh, balance in our life. Let me stop there. Let's unpack that a little bit. Yeah, I think that's. Like, like, as you said, that is so much more difficult than it sounds. I think sometimes our barrier in doing that, at least for me, is that your tears make me, me feel uncomfortable, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, like, yeah. or your pain is making me feel, mm -hmm. you know, because so we do want to fix it. I, I just rather fix it or say like, stop crying or what, you know, or whatever, right. um, partly because it just makes me feel better. So I don't have to deal with, you know, this hurting person Absolutely. sitting across from me. Um, yeah. So some of it's just me getting over my own uncomfortableness and being, and allowing someone, someone else to, mm -hmm. to go through struggle. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I mentioned before that that's so much of like how it would reveal within us, the one giving the technique, mm -hmm. if we are not necessarily mentally healthy enough to do that. And so right. that raises the bar for everyone. Yeah. Gosh, that's such a good point. Yeah. Well, I was wondering too, you know, during the pandemic, one thing that, that changed is we weren't physically able to be with one another, but we were still very connected. I mean, even all across mm -hmm. the world because we have technology to keep us connected. But in Utah, I noticed they're trying to create, they're, they're I think, looking at creating these social media, cell phone free classrooms because they're hoping that maybe that will improve mental health for students. Do you think that it's that lack of in-person connection that really is contributing to a lot of mental health issues, especially with the younger generation, but I think just kind of across the board, because virtually everyone uses social media to have yeah. these relationships and stay in touch. But are you seeing that maybe that's a big contributing factor? Um, so if you're asking if the technology and social media and the lack of in-person connection um, is a contributor to that. Um, I'll say that yes, but maybe not to the degree that you're thinking. Um, I do believe that there's something that's very powerful about like in-person physical presence that can't be replaced by a virtual meeting. Right. But I would say the majority of the issue actually goes back to what we're talking about before, which is even in a virtual setting, can we create authentic connection? Can we create room for people to be vulnerable with the real things that are going on and to feel the healing connection that comes with another person holding space for them? 
Um, my suspicion is, um, based upon my observation, is that when it comes to virtual social media, those kinds of things help to um, develop and nurture almost kind of a, a facade, if you will, where where there can be a presentation or a curation of a, a, a persona that is not authentic. That to me is the bigger issue. Um, not necessarily that's virtual. It just happens to be that it is virtual, but it makes it so easy to just be behind the cover of what you want people to see without really being authentic. And that to me is the real killer when it comes to our mental health. Let me stop there. Does it make yeah, sense? Yeah, so let me... That's so true. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting point because kind of going back to our original question or the premise for this whole series and what we learned from the pandemic, and you and you said, well, the pandemic was was a difficult season that brought some things to the surface. I guess it does ask the question, well, what was it about the pandemic that was so difficult for our mental health? And if it wasn't just the fact that we were isolated, mm -hmm. are you saying that like, it's not... It's not Zoom it's that, that caused it or whatever, you know, is, is it if it's not the fact that we were isolated is the isolation, did it make it easier for us to then just be less vulnerable and less like was that the big like what was it if it's not that what was it about the pandemic that was so difficult for our mental health? Sure, sure. Um, I guess if we pair those conversations together, uh, another way I would describe it is that pre pandemic. Um, even though people were more disconnected because of things like social media, where they could, they could be in connection without really being vulnerable and, and, and known and transparent, that they still had the ability to be physically present. Okay. So it was one of the last legs that we could lean on, so to speak. And it gave us a semblance of connection. We could hang out. We could, we could have a, a good time. We can go to movies together. We could do things together. Activity and presence was at least one part of it. Right. But when you have pandemic, entered in the picture that you take away that last leg and now we have nothing. Um, and that is probably the way I would describe the, the progression, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's, That's really true. Cause I feel like one of the hardest things, because my job kind of remained the same. So I still mm -hmm. went into work every day. I wasn't home. Like a lot of people were forced to be or work remotely, but it was the lack of having things to look forward to not being able to plan sort of like the unknown, all the, the weddings and baby showers and birthday parties and family get to all of that stuff was completely scrapped or put on mm -hmm. hold or moved indefinitely. And that was mentally tough after a while, you know, in the beginning, you feel like you can manage it. And then as time goes on and you don't know like where the, the light at the end of the tunnel is going right. to be, yeah. that started to get really difficult. Yeah. So yeah. Lee, as, and this may be an unfair question, but I'm just going to, see if you have an answer for it anyway. Um, you are you are much more used to like talking to people one-on-one, -on -one, hearing, you know, the particulars of a certain situation, you know, and, and helping people walk through. But we're talking sort of at a meta scale or like for our whole culture and where are we and, you know, that kind of stuff. And if you could, if you could kind of write a prescription or you could kind of say here, here, this is what I would love to see our culture do or, you know, people that like if we're all kind of struggling, if there's a lot more awareness of this issue and we're kind of struggling a little bit, like what are some of the steps that you would love to see as sort of in general start to take in order to, to be more healthy? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I would, if I can take some liberties here and maybe borrow from maybe a physical example of, of what people will probably understand and relate to when it comes to say physical fitness and, and physical health, Okay, that there are some things that if I could write a prescription, it would be okay, 
what does it look like to do your own exercises at home or on your own to stay physically healthy? So do it could be a number of different activities, but you, you know, going for a run or, or, or lifting some weights or doing some yoga, whatever, right? But there are some things that you can do on a regular basis on your own. There's also some things that you can do in connection with other people. So that would mean getting together in a group to go work out or going to do something in community. I think on an individual level and then on a community level, connection level, those are those are probably the two most powerful ways in which you, you could address some of the mental health issues. Um, and so in my mind, that would mean that th that that would require, let me put it this way, when I see a client, okay, and, uh, you know, say I'm seeing a, a, a person individually, one of the first things I'm looking at, if it's going to be a, a you know, kind of a general case, is how do they take care of their emotional selves? How do they identify, label their emotions, what they're feeling, bring more awareness to, okay, uh, beyond the anxiety or beyond the, 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 the difficulty of life, I feel fear, I feel shame, I feel inadequacy or rejection or loneliness, the ability to label their feelings and the ability to know what to do with those feelings is the workout. That's okay. I'm going to do, you know, push-ups right now. That's the hard work. No one wants to do it, but that's the work, right? That's, that's how you stay healthy and in shape. You're actually able to digest in, uh, emotions and know how to, to properly process it through. Okay. That would be on the individual level. The community level is, okay, can I do that in connection with other people? Can I share with someone else? You know, I'm having a real hard time because I'm feeling a lot of risk of, of being exposed as a fraud or that I, I'm, I, I'm dealing with some imposter syndrome stuff. And I feel like I'm a failure at my job or in my relationship. And can I connect with other people in a safe way where I can feel known and understood? That's the work as well, right? So I would say if, they, if people could do those two things consistently and well, that... I mean, I'll tell you that put me out of a job. Honestly, that would that would that would solve a lot with regard to just the mental health issues that are going on in our country. Yeah, I imagine just as you describe that, that in a lot of conversations and in you know personal conversations that you and I have had, you know that there's you know there's a lot of work just as you said to try and figure out and and discern like different emotions. And you're as a counselor, you're able to to sort of guide people there to to some self awareness. But then at some point, I've got to figure out how to do that without you. Yes, or I've got to figure out how to do that with my spouse or with mm -hmm. other friends or that kind of stuff, um, because I can do it in your office, but I can't do it at home or, you know, like right. that kind of thing. And so is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I said before, like everyone needs maybe in the beginning a personal trainer just to say, hey, this is the way you do the workout without hurting yourself. Right. And to know that you're actually far more capable than you realize. And some guidance in, bit, in the beginning is always helpful. Um, but again, a lot of that's just educational. I feel like in our culture if we began educating a lot of our younger people, uh, younger kids, youth on the skill set sooner than later, that it becomes part of a life tool to know how to do this. And so they don't necessarily require the help of a professional. They, they are able to do some hygienic work on their own. Right. Um, but you're absolutely right. And for most people that are, um, you know, further along in life and they kind of have their own habits and stuff like that, it's hard. It's hard to go back and relearn how to have the vocabulary for, for these things. So, yeah, I would say that that, that would be, uh, you know, the silver bullet, if you will, for a lot of things. That's great. So if there's someone watching or listening that's at a point where they really do want to work with a professional, they either want to have somebody to do like a routine checkup with or they are actually are going through something really heavy and they're like, I, I've got to get some professional help. 
How do you recommend someone find the right person to work with? Do they go to Google? Do they ask for like a word of mouth referral? Do they go to their local church? I mean, what's the best way to find the right person to be matched up with? Yeah, I think that gets more into like just what I observe in the whole mental health industry. Um, I think that the best way, if, if I'm just looking at it purely from, you know, the the average person out there, being able to meet with with someone that has a little bit more experience to help you assess the assessment part. Like if you're going to go to the doctor, you want to make sure that that you have a doctor who is seasoned enough to be able to know and observe all the different components of what could be going on. And then from there, determine if you may need more of a specialization in a certain area. Uh, so yeah, whether that's that's making the first connection at your local church or getting um, getting plugged in with a, a therapist um, or a mental health professional that can do that assessment, I think that's a that's a really good first step. I, I know for my own practice, for example, uh, the way we 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 set things up is we have a number of therapists say that that range from you know the full gamut of experience from very new to very seasoned. Whenever we have someone coming in we always want them to have an assessment with someone more experienced so that we can determine, do they need someone more experienced or can they go with someone who's a little bit more, more newer to the field, but they, 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 they're able to know how to approach the case. Um, and so uh, that's probably the, 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 the biggest uh, hurdle is getting that first initial connection and knowing who to talk to for that assessment. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question or not, but that's kind of no, in, my, in, in my world. That's what needs to happen. Yeah. Well, Lee, you are, you're doing great work, um, and obviously this is a huge need in our community, and I just hope that anybody who's watching or listening right now, if you, if, if, if you feel like you need to talk to someone, just go for it. Um, and it could just be talking to a friend or having a deeper conversation or talking to your spouse and you know, opening up with things or, or, or reaching out to talk to someone professional. Um, because it, a lot of times it just, and I know from personal experience, just stuffing it and hoping it goes away doesn't work mm -hmm. um great and so um yeah so thank you for doing your work thank you for your time here today oh well you can you're yeah if, I, if, if yeah. since we're on the topic i don't want people to leave this one without knowing a very tangible call to action of what, what yes, you can please. do and so yeah, do it. i will i will say if you're listening to this and this assuming that um you're in the, the texas region give us a call we can do the assessment over the phone and and help you figure out even if we're not the best place we can help you figure out what the next step is um, yeah. part of my job is to make sure we have a team lifeology. Yeah. So, so you can call a 214-556-0996 and our intake team will help figure out what the next step. And again, if it's not even us, I mean, we we're plugged into a network of other, other therapists, and other professionals, psychiatrists, doctors that would be able to help figure out like what the, what the best need fits are for your needs. That's great. That's awesome. That's great. Okay, so I really enjoyed hearing what Lee had to say because I feel like he covered so many different things mm -hmm. and a lot of it was so applicable and things that we can do in our everyday lives. And um, I want to start by talking about disconnection because he really addressed that be as being one of the things that we saw so clearly because of the pandemic. Yeah, you know, we were talking about even even at the church that Jeff and I serve at, you know, there were a lot of people talking about loneliness, you know, that that comes well before the pandemic. So mm -hmm. th there were disconnections definitely has, has been an issue f uh, for a while. Yeah. When I think about that, you know, it's like a phone, right? It, yeah. it, when you turn it on, it has a little, it's searching for connection, right? You will see oh, a little yeah. searching, mm -hmm. searching, searching. And a lot of times I'm in the mountains where there's no connection. So just poor thing. You know, the battery runs out searching for connections because mm -hmm. it runs the battery. 
And I, I think for a whole lot of people in the pandemic, it's just that I think it was like that where people as a, our souls are always searching for that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's the way we're wired. It's the way we're built. And when that was disrupted, people's batteries started running out, you know, searching, searching, searching. And, and so I, I think figuring out how to, how to build connection, how to find it ourselves, how to make it possible for other people around us is what certainly coming out of the pandemic, we've got to figure out how to do that better. What, what is disconnecting us in our Mm -hmm. lives and in our culture that has only accelerated in the pandemic and, and how can we live more connected lives and create space for each other? Um, we've, we've got to figure out how to do that better in our culture. I thought it was super interesting though. Um, the question we kind of pushed back, like, was it just physical presence that we're missing? And how he kind of nuanced it a little bit, that it's not just about physical presence, mm-hmm. it's about vulnerability and authenticity. And that maybe physical presence, it's just harder to fake it a little bit more. You yes. know, it's, it, you're because there's so much that is communicated through body language and all that kind of stuff that that's an interesting nuance, that it's not just about physical presence, um, but it's about authenticity. That was what surprised yeah. me the most, because I was kind of expecting to hear him say, yes, technology is what's disconnected us, and we weren't able to be together in person during the pandemic, and so it caused all these mental health problems. And what he was saying was, well, yeah, I mean, it's always better when you can have that physical connection if possible, but it's how authentic we are and our vulnerability that keeps us connected. And if we are lacking that during a time like a pandemic, it does make things worse. And so it was such a good reminder that what we see on social media is not always the truth. And I mean, we know that, but um, presenting our most authentic selves is really helpful because Mm -hmm. people need that connection. And and I've, I've led a lot of groups in my line of work and, and one of the things I found is that people really are hungry. They're scared to be authentic mm-hmm. and to be vulnerable, but at the same time, they're starving for it. Right. And it really does take somebody to break the ice to just mm-hmm. take that risk. And sometimes that risk doesn't pay off, but most of the right. time it does. Like most of the time, once somebody takes the risk to be first and to jump into the pool, so to speak, then it just sort of opens the floodgates of people to be like, you know what? Me too. Oh yes. yeah, and, for sure. Uh, but I think it means us being willing at times to be the, f- you go first, like don't, That's scary. don't wait. Right. <laughs> but, but, it, and, and if it blows up, it blows up, but why just right. go through life without connection and being fake, you know? And yeah. so, but it means disrupting. It's what Scott Peck used to call the rules of pseudo community, which naturally will just have pseudo community, which is not real genuine connection. Mm-hmm. It's being nice, but not authentic and whatever. Yeah. I, so we've got to, the only way to do it is somebody's got to be willing to break the laws of pseudo community to say, you know what, I'm not doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. Here's what's really going on. Mm-hmm. And that kind of ties into what he was talking about of, of us doing the hard work as individuals to, to, to learn how to label our emotions, but then also as community to you know find that type of community where we can be authentic with one another. Because when we do experience it, it, it is like this gulp of fresh air, you know, or, or cold water when we're thirsty. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. this is, this is what I've been hungry for. And at least on a personal level, it is work. And at a, at a, and at a corporate level or just w- within relationships, it is risky, you know, so it doesn't, neither one of those things happen naturally. They right. don't happen without intentionality. They don't happen without some boldness, you know, that kind of thing. But, but that's the type, those, that's the type of people that we want to be. That's the type of, you know, friendships and, and relationships that we want to have. 
And it's, it's kind of, it's on us, you know, it's not on the professionals. I, I like that he kind of said they're there. And sometimes you do need a personal trainer to kind of teach you how to do it. And, you know, there's no better time than now. If you need to go in and learn how to do those things, I've, I've done, I've done some work with Lee and I know that like, I, I thought that I was pretty good at diagnosing my emotions, you know, and it's like, no, I'm terrible at it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it is, and it is hard work. And then in, within relationships, um, it's hard then to live that out and to build a community of authenticity. But say, like, man, that's, man, we need it. You brought up something that he mentioned in the interview that really spoke to me, where he talked about naming your emotion mm -hmm. and like leaning into that and saying like, I'm feeling ashamed, I'm feeling fearful, I'm feeling, you know, whatever right. it is, and really naming it. And then also being willing to share that emotion with someone else and say, I'm feeling fearful because, and I thought, gosh, that's something that we, we do tend to want to run the other direction mm -hmm. when we feel an emotion. And he's saying, no, like lean into that, name it, accept it, and then share it with somebody else. And it's easier. You'll get through it a lot faster instead of fighting it all the time. And so I was like, that's a really good takeaway. And then I love that he talked about kind of keeping space for other people. Oh yeah, That's, that's huge. And it is hard to do because sometimes when someone's really going through something heavy, you, you take on some of those emotions or you want to be able to fix it. And he's yeah. saying, sometimes that's not what anybody needs. They just need you to be a listening ear, know that somebody cares. And I'm sure, Jeff, just as a, as a senior pastor, you've had a lot of circumstances where there's someone comes into your office and they're like, it's at a point of crisis. You know, their marriage is falling apart. Their spouse is just said they just got a diagnosis they, or, or something like that. What is, what is that? What did you hear, you know, when Lee talked about sort of making space, you know, that, what, what did you hear? Well, you know, one of the things he talked about was, you know, I wish I would have done it sooner, the urgency oh, yeah. of all that. Mm -hmm. um, and in the making space, it feels like two different things. So, right, 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 right. But on the, on the urgency part, you know, our, our emotional trauma and difficulties and relational uh, schisms and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, things where we've hurt each other, they're not like fine wines and spirits, you know, they don't right. get better over time. They yeah. always get worse mm -hmm. over time. And, and, and so, you know, the, you know, to bring the Bible into it, it, it says uh, about anger, it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Meaning yeah. if there's a hurt, cause that's what caused anger, mm -hmm. then don't let the sun go down. You deal with it, right, you know, right, right away. Mm -hmm. And we're always our best friend when we do that, but that's true of, of mm -hmm. lots of emotions. But and then the idea of making space for that to happen, and I think regu making regular space in relationships where we can sit in emotions and name them and model that's one of the things I'm working on right now mm -hmm. in, in my marriage because I'm used to going, I'm, I'm used to being fast, mm -hmm. making, I have to make really fast decisions. I don't have time to make, right. you know, I, in any given meeting, I've got 10 minutes to make a big decision and yeah. I've got to get the input and make it and I hope mm -hmm. it's a good one, you know? And right. so I certainly get in fix it mode at home, mm -hmm. you know, I'm dealing, you know, and, mm -hmm. and so it's like, okay, let's, let's fix it. Like, let's deal with, like, we yeah. don't have time to, you know, mm -hmm. and to actually just say, no, we're just going to sit in this emotion. And I had to learn that as a parent, you know, to, I don't like negative emotions. So to, to just sit with my kids in disappointment when they didn't get picked for the team. Instead of saying, hey, let's look at the bright we're side. We're going to get a better team. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stupid yeah. team anyway. Whatever, right? <laughs> right. And so um, all that, you know, I'm, I'm so bad at that. But right. but that that's, uh, so I, I really appreciate, you know, mm -hmm. what you're saying about it, just to be able to hold space for each other, to, yeah. to sit in the discomfort of that um, without trying to fix it, 
mm-hmm. and how healing that is when we're heard and understood and the perspective it actually gives when you're even able to say it out loud. Um, I mean, that just happened to me today. I was talking with another leader and I was really second guessing myself on some things, some decisions I've made and, and, and just being able to name it. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like it solved itself, mm-hmm. being able to talk about it. Um, he didn't really have to say anything back. So anyway. Yeah. Well, I think what's so encouraging about all of this is that even when we think of the the concept of mental health or mental unhealth and, and the and just the, the prevalence and just how big of an issue it is, to to bring it down, I, I love that Lee and, and then Jeff, you, you, to bring bring it down to some concrete steps that we mm-hmm. can do that are not easy, but they're not impossible either. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to kind of keep short accounts, you know, if you need to talk to someone, like, don't wait. Like, talk yeah. to them now. Or even if you're not quite sure you're, you know, labeling your emotions right, there's something going on. You don't know why you're angry all the time. You don't know why you're so frustrated. Well, there's probably something going on that you're just mm-hmm. not kind of being able to label right, and it'd be really great. You know, take the risk with, with relationships, and then when other people come to you, just sort of don't, don't have to fix it. Like, let's just, you know, make a, a, a pattern where we're going to sit in these emotions, and we're going to kind of diagnose, and we're just going to talk about it, and we're going to honor those emotions. Mm-hmm. Like, none of that's easy, but it's not impossible. And we would just be so much healthier if right. we could do that. So I'm going to label my emotion after watching this episode. I'm feeling (laughs) hopeful and encouraged and empowered. That's right. That's great. (laughs) Um, And we really appreciate you watching. We always want you to like, subscribe, uh, leave us some comments. Let us know what you think about the episode, what you'd like to see, if there's something that helped you. We want to know about it. So until next time, join us on another episode of The Good Complex. Get out there and make it good.